This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! Hey everybody, welcome to the Defensive Line Draft Profiles. I am at Garrett Sisti, Jamie is at Lightning underscore round, and today we're doing interior defenders, but first... We got three donations. First donation is from Antonio Stevens. Thank you very much, Antonio. We appreciate it. Very generous of you. Yep. Uh, name I recognize. Also this name, too. Michael Lawson. So thank you, Antonio. Michael Lawson. And, of course, Jamie, our biggest benefactor. <laughs> Mike Marcus Terrigian. Thank you, Marcus. As always, we appreciate it. And like we always say, we appreciate the support, whether it's with money or rating us on iTunes or communicating with us on Twitter or... Whatever the case may be, we appreciate all of it. So thank you all very much for the continued support. Yeah, feedback works too. Hit us up on Twitter and uh, let us know what we're doing right and wrong. And uh, we'd love to do that too because we you know, love to improve this show as well. So uh, thank you, Antonio, Michael, Marcus. Appreciate the three of you. And uh, today we're going to kind of switch up the format. First off, originally we we're going to do edge and uh, defensive tackles on this podcast. We're just going to go ahead and forego the edge class. Uh, not a big need, if not like the lowest on the list of needs for the Chargers <laughs> going into the draft. So uh, we're just going to let that go. And we're just going to do the interior defenders today. And in terms of the format, we're going to completely switch it up because um, we wanted a new format where – you know, while we're breaking down these prospects, kind of keep them more succinct, we thought about what were the most important questions we wanted to address when we're watching these guys. And when we're breaking them down, we want to answer some important questions. So we're going to do that in this podcast. The questions, just to set this whole thing up, is, you know, what's their projected NFL position? We're also going to talk about their best trait, the prospect's worst trait, uh, any concerns or red flags, you know, um, if they've had any injury history or any off-the-field issues. Uh, we'll also answer the question, how would they fit with the Chargers? Of course, we're still going to give our grade, and then what round we're comfortable in taking them. So consensus might be a little bit higher than we are, what round we're looking to take these guys. So that's how we're going to address this. I think it's going to be a little bit less dense than our other podcasts, which I know a lot of you like, um, but I think this is going to move forward and kind of Im- answer the important questions yeah i think it's a kind of a fresh take on what we've been doing i think it's just it's too easy to fall into the trap of just listing you know 10 good traits and 10 bad traits and we wind up repeating ourselves and uh i think this is a better way to kind of keep things short but still hit the fine points and get the point across of what we think about these players all right so let's just go ahead and get into it we've got five defensive tackles we'll move on to a sleeper and then give our top five or maybe even ten who knows but we'll give our uh, top defensive tackles uh, let's go ahead and start off with our list and it is Quinn and Williams out of Alabama so in my opinion Quinn and Williams is basically he was born to play the three technique in the NFL uh, which is a one gap penetrating pass rushing defensive tackle essentially uh williams's best traits i think he has two traits that are kind of off the charts one is his technique one is his football iq uh he uses his hands extremely well you can see him diagnosing plays often before the snap breaking through and breaking up plays frequently uh i think his worst trait is he lacks pass rush pass rush counters if he doesn't win early uh, he usually does win early, but when he doesn't, he can kind of get stuck in the mud because his hands kind of stop working and he kind of struggles to free himself as he's trying to get upfield. I think the only real concerns with him are 
he has kind of he has a little bit of a lack of uh, natural power, and he doesn't really anchor all that well. So he's probably limited to being that three technique in a one gap system where he can just get upfield and penetrate. He's not a nose tackle. He's not going to plug gaps and be a two gap guy uh, on a consistent basis. Although he can do it, it's not his strength. Um, I think obviously with the Chargers fit, we've talked about three technique. He is a natural three technique, and he'd fit beautifully there for the Chargers. Although he will not be there. Uh, when they draft at 28 this year, uh, I have a 93 for Quinnen Williams. He's one of my highest graded players so far in the draft. Uh, I like him quite a bit. I'd take him at any point in the first round without hesitation. But like I said, he won't be there at 28 when the Chargers draft. So uh, it's not worth getting our hopes up for. I have to say the worst part of having Derwin fall, Derwin James fall to 17 is, is now you, everybody yeah, thinks, now everybody's everybody gonna thinks fall. that everybody's going to fall. So when you go on Twitter and go, Hey, Quentin Williams is pretty good. And they're like, Oh, Hey, Derwin fell to 17. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. Well, not that. <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> so stop that. Uh, but yeah, you're right. So in terms of NFL position, he's definitely a three tech in the NFL. He's going to be a monster in the middle for some team's defensive line. And like you mentioned, he's going to excel as a gap penetrator. Uh, the best trait for me, you mentioned it, it's the hands, fast, strong, powerful. He uses it to win with leverage, excellent club and swim with those hands. Also allows him to finish with velocity, very powerful when he brings guys to the ground with those hands. Oftentimes he needs only one arm to bring a guy down too. So strong hands and arms. Uh, worst trait. I was kind of nitpicking here, but you know, if you're looking for a prototypical size, Williams doesn't technically have it for a three tech, but he's he's fine. Uh, not a true concern in terms of any concerns. Red flags. He only played 24 games at his two years at Alabama. He was a redshirt freshman, so experience could be a quote unquote concern if you want to nitpick. In, ter- in terms of the Chargers fit, he's not getting out of the top five, but obviously ideal three tech and uh, couldn't get any better than Quinnen Williams in this uh, defensive tackle class. I have a 95 on him. Uh, I'm a couple of points higher than you. He is my highest graded player, not named Nick Bosa, uh, who we're not going to talk about, but he's my uh, highest graded player to date. In terms of what round, I mean, he's not going to fall. You could probably argue that he could and should go number one overall. And so I'm comfortable with uh, anywhere you take Quinton Williams, even if he goes number one overall to the Arizona Cardinals. I won't argue it because I think Quinton Williams and Nick Bosa are both very, very good, and, and an argument can be made for both. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, obviously very different players, but both very skilled players and both very deserving of that number one overall pick. All right, so next on our list here in defensive tackles is Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi State. Uh, for his NFL position, Jeffrey Simmons played nose at Mississippi State, but he's best suited as a three-tech in the NFL, in my opinion. Uh, The best trait for me is the athleticism and the explosion. He cuts through gaps, can run and chase, move laterally with ease. His explosion off the line is top-notch and great while deployed in a twist or stunt. His worst trait for me is instincts. Uh, He's not quick to read and react, not a good edge setter, will often play undisciplined in the run game. He will shoot a gap quickly, but oftentimes choose the wrong lane in terms of concerns and red flags. Simmons was arrested in 2016. There's a video that leaked, as most of you know, of him repeatedly punching a woman and was eventually found guilty. Simmons also tore his ACL in February, so there's injury concerns. There's some off-the-field issues. And unfortunately, uh, I didn't see the video when it happened, but uh, I ended up seeing the video this time around, and uh, it is worse than you could imagine. Yeah. Uh, repeatedly punching this woman, even when she was on the ground. She was I mean, p- prone on the ground, and he was punching yeah. her in the head. 
Yeah. yeah. Not you know, I'm not gonna make the uh comparisons on what's what's the worst uh battery against a woman, but I will just say that this is up there. This is awful. So uh in terms of the chargers fit, uh, you know, in terms of talent uh, I don't think there's uh, anything to deny, but with the history of violence, that's going to scare Tom Telesco away, no doubt about it. You know, he could be a top 15 pick, but with that battery charge, he's probably going to fall the end of the first, maybe even into round two. I've got a mid-second round grade on Simmons. Uh, the instincts scare me a little bit. The out-the-field issues are bad. There's an injury history there. Um, as a player, he's talented and probably should be in the top 15, but with everything else, he fell in my grades to an 85 and in terms of where i'm comfortable taking him this is where that um loaded question comes in because he's got all the off the field issues if he fell the chargers pick in the second i'm more inclined to spend it there his talent is probably worth the 28th pick in this draft but if i'm the chargers gm i'm not sure i'm making that gamble in the first round on a guy like jeffrey simmons so i don't think i'd be comfortable taking him there at 28 uh, no, I agree with you. Um, what was your what was your number grade for him? Oh, eighty five. Sorry, a mid second. <laughs> yeah, um, we Are have the we exact close? we have the exact same number. <laughs> 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 uh, so, I think Simmons is a guy who I think he could play basically any technique in any scheme in the NFL, and he did in college. Uh, he could play a three technique and be very good. Five technique and be very good. One technique and be very good. Probably not a zero technique, but he is one of the least scheme-dependent linemen in this class, if not the least scheme-dependent lineman in this class, which is a big plus for him. Um, yeah. I think his best trait, you mentioned it, it's his explosiveness and athleticism. And I'll also throw in the fact that he is not scheme-dependent. That's a huge, huge plus for him, that a lot of guys are very much plugged into one role in one scheme, and that's all they can do. He can move up and down the line in any front and be successful. Uh, I think his worst trait, uh, you know, you mentioned is his uh, lack of awareness Instinct. and instincts. Mm -hmm. I also think there are some contact balance issues for a guy as big and as strong as he is. He spends a lot of time on the ground, and I think his technique is bad. He has a tendency to pop up and stand straight up and just try to outmuscle guys, and that's a big part of the reason why he winds up on the ground as much as he does at his size. Uh, you know, the the technique is something that you would hope could be corrected at the NFL level. The contact balance, you know, splitting double teams, things like that. He struggles staying on his feet. A little bit of a concern for a guy his size. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the red flags, the off-field issues. I mean, that video was pretty difficult to watch. The ACL issue, also a big issue. Uh, as far as Chargers fit, I, I'm sure he's going to be there at the end of the first round. And again, I think he would be a good fit either at a three technique or a one technique. I think he could play either very well. You'd probably want him penetrating as a three technique, but I I mean, in terms of skill level and what he does on the field, I'd have a hard time not liking him as a one technique, as a long-term replacement for Brandon Meebane. Um, I also have an 85 on him. That's my grade, so a mid-second round grade. Um, I'm, I'm with you here. I mean, I think with everything going on with him, with the injury, with the the off the field stuff and some of the instinct issues, you know, I'd be, I, I wouldn't take him in the first round. I would feel comfortable taking him in the third round. I think that's probably where he should go based on everything going on with him. But if he's there at 28 and the chargers are so inclined, you know, 
that's that's a risk you take because he might, in terms of where he is now and what he could be in three or four years, he might might have the most upside of any interior lineman in this class just because there's so much there that's untapped and because of his ability to move up and down the line. So um, I think there's a lot to like there, but I would not spend a first-round pick on him. Uh, even without the off-field issues, I don't think I'd spend a first-round pick on him just based on my grade. But at 28 or at the, at the bottom of the second round, that's something that you'd have to at least consider. I don't think the Chargers will, but I would. Oh, okay, because you said third round earlier, but you'd be willing to start thinking about it in the second round, bottom I, of the second round? I'd be more comfortable with him in the third round, but I consider it at the bottom of the second just because of oh, gotcha. where they're at and what their needs are. You know, it's it'd be it'd be it'd be hard to pass it pass on him at that point. Just put it that way. Yeah, that's why it's such a loaded question because I think talent wise, you'd be comfortable with him at twenty eight if there wasn't this off the field issues. But of course, there are, and there's so many other things to weigh here. So uh, that, it's a difficult one, but uh, a talented player. So let's go ahead and move on to number three on this list. And it is Ed Oliver out of Houston. I so Oliver is a guy that I I loved. I, I really enjoyed watching him play. Um, he is a guy who I think you could probably put him pretty much anywhere on an offensive line and or uh, excuse me anywhere on a defensive line and maybe even at linebacker and have him be very <laughs> successful. Um, I think ideally he's a three technique in the NFL, but I I, w- I wouldn't put it past him to be successful as a one technique. I do think. He is somebody who needs to be in a one-gap system where he can get upfield and disrupt and penetrate. I don't think you want to ask him to anchor and plug lanes. I think you want to use that athleticism to get upfield and cause problems for offenses. So I would say his ideal fit is a three technique, but I think he could play the one as well. Um, his best trait for a guy his size, he's what, 6'1", six, 6'2", six, 280, 290, somewhere in that range. His playmaking range is unreal. He gets up and down the line of scrimmage. He tracks down screen plays. He tracks down, you know, RPOs and sweeps and jet sweeps. And, and he's in the backfield getting to the quarterback and blowing up running plays. He is all over the place and his ability to make plays basically at all levels of the offense in the offensive backfield is ridiculous for a guy, his size. He's just a freak. Uh, I think the worst trait and something that might potentially help drive him down the board is a lack of prototypical length. He's not the longest guy in the class. Teams are going to look at him and think that he's too short to play in the interior. Uh, but he has exactly the body type that the chargers look for on the interior. I mean, to a T he's exactly what they draft. Um, in terms of concerns or red flags, he had a nagging knee injury, I believe, in the same knee as a sophomore and a junior that cost him some playing time and slowed him down. And he had limited pass rushing production. He creates pressure, but he doesn't get home and doesn't record a lot of sacks, which is okay because he moves the pocket. But if, if you're looking for elite pass rushing production, it's not there with him. For a Chargers fit, I think three technique is the way to go. But like I said, I think he can play the one technique. I have a 90 for Ed Oliver. So I have a, a late first round grade on him. Um, I would have no problem taking him in the mid to late first round. He is a guy who I just have a weird feeling. I think teams are going to have a hard time pegging him into a specific role. You've heard teams talk about playing him at defensive end, uh, nose tackle, three technique, linebacker, linebacker even. Uh, it's all over the board. They know he's a great athlete, but they don't know where he fits. And I think the Chargers have a very easy time looking at him saying, 
that guy fits our system and he can play anywhere along the interior. So it wouldn't surprise me if he fell. And I think that's, he's the guy the Chargers are looking at this year thinking, man, if he falls, we got to be all over him. So I've got a 90 on him, very comfortable with him at any point in the mid to late first round, particularly at 28 for the Chargers. Yeah, yeah, I like Ed Oliver a lot. Uh, of course, a three-tech, you know, I'm really concerned because I like Oliver and I'm afraid if the wrong coach drafts him and puts him in the system where they want to play him at edge or even an off-ball linebacker, it's really going to do a disservice. And I would hate it because he is a defensive tackle. Uh, don't stand him up. Don't put him on the edge. Don't play him off-ball. He's an interior defensive lineman. His best trait to me is his awareness his eyes are always in the backfield. He rushes with a purpose. He stays strong in the run game, riding a block until the back makes a move. He detaches, chases him down. Because he's got quickness on the inside, he uses that to his advantage to get penetration in the backfield and makes plays when they come. Uh, like you talked about, for the worst trait, he's kind of a tweener. 6'2", 287, small for a defensive tackle. And at times that comes into play, but his speed and awareness trump that, in my opinion, and uh, obviously you know, wouldn't hurt to add some muscle. You talked about the injury. Uh, a lot of teams checking in on that knee injury. He missed four games last year. And, of course, the Chargers fit. This is a guy that a lot of teams are going to have a problem fitting them in their system, like you mentioned, and we may see a drop. This could be the potential Derwin James for the Chargers this year. And um, in the Chargers system as a three-tech, he adds some pass rushing chops in the interior. He contribute in the run game. I've got a 92, so I've got a first-round grade on him too. And if Ed Oliver falls to 28, I'm thanking my lucky stars. And if I'm Tom Telesco, I'm going to try to figure out what the hell happened the last two years and try to recreate it <laughs> for the rest of my general manager career because there is no way you get this lucky two years in a row. And if they do, it would be a steal. I think for me, this is the Chargers' best-case scenario. Ed Oliver drops. It's a perfect fit. It's exactly what they need. They fill that three-tech where Corey Legit and Darius Fallon used to be. Uh, no longer with the team, and uh, it's a big hold, fill, big need with some real upside. This is best case scenario for me right now. Is that Oliver for the Chargers at twenty eight? Yeah, I just uh, you know you watch him play, and he is exactly what they look for along the interior. He has the body type they look for. He's the athlete they look for. He has the skill set they look for, and he has uh, he has some things working against him with other teams that won't work against him with the Chargers. Mainly the lack of length the lack of ideal bulk. I don't think the Chargers have a hard time figuring out what to do with him, whereas a lot of teams probably will. And this is a pretty deep defensive tackle class that we're going to get into here with guys like Williams, guys like um, uh, Wilkins, who we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Uh, Dexter Lawrence could sneak into the late first round. And you don't usually see more than three or four defensive tackles taken in the first round. One of them is going to fall, and he seems like the most likely one just based on everything we know about him and what I, what you see on tape. He seems like the guy the teams are going to have the hardest time fitting into a particular role. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think when you look at that defensive tackle board and you're in the draft room, you know what Christian Wilkins is. Mm -hmm. You know what Dexter Lawrence is. And when you look at them, they're, they're exactly the guys you want. And depending on whether you want a, a run stuffer or a guy that brings some upside as a pass rusher, you go with either Lawrence or Wilkins, which we'll talk about both of them here in a second. But with that Oliver, 
you have to have a serious discussion of, well, what exactly are we going to do with this guy? And I think a lot of GMs will overthink that and go with a safe bet, which would be with Wilkins or Lawrence, not necessarily the best talent on the board, but the safest pick and the best fit. Yep, I agree. So let's go ahead and talk about one of those guys, and it is Christian Wilkins. We'll go to both these Clemson defensive tackles, and we'll start with Wilkins. Uh, he's a plug-and-play starting three-tech in the NFL. He played all over the line at Clemson, but the majority inside his three-tech also played some base end, too. Uh, his best trait, in my opinion, is his flexibility. Wilkins can weave between defenders. He slips between double teams and bend to create pressure inside the pocket. He also exhibits that flexibility with a powerful base, so it's hard to knock him off balance when he's attacking from those weird angles. Uh, the worst trait for me is he lets offensive linemen inside of his body too often. Uh, he plays with a high level of play strength, but at times the offensive linemen extend inside him. Uh, he's got a good counter, a good swipe, a good swat to kind of combat that, but he could improve on getting hands quickly and extending, being the first to initiate contact. In terms of uh, red flags and concerns, I think you're looking at the exact opposite. He earned All-American honors. He was a substitute teacher during his offseason. He was trying to mentor young kids in his offseason. Uh, Ed Oliver is the Chargers' best-case scenario in terms of Chargers' fit, but Christian Wilkins is the perfect fit for the Chargers. He's a three-down lineman, a good run support, and can get after the quarterback. Plus, he has the leadership skills that the Chargers covet. Wilkins would be the Chargers three-tech with Phylon leaving, Legit leaving, and would start right away. Right now, I've got a 90 on him, which is a low first-round grade. And uh, in terms of you know where I would take him, from the beginning of this draft process, Christian Wilkins has been that guy that I think the Chargers will take at 28. Uh, I've never been right. I've made a guess on who the Chargers will take at, at their draft position. But Christian Wilkins feels like that guy this year. I'm taking him. He fills the biggest need, probably be the best player on the board there at 28. This is the guy for me that seems like the most realistic option, uh, the perfect fit. I love Oliver. I think that's best-case scenario. With his pro day, Oliver might get swooped up earlier than you know we're all hoping, but Christian Wilkins has a real possibility of falling to 28. And this is the guy that it just tees up. This is perfect because Telesco uh, always talks about he wants more than just a run-stuffing defensive tackle. That He's looking for more than just that. Wilkins has it, and he has that leadership skills. It just checks all the boxes for me, and it just feels like Wilkins will be high on the Chargers board on draft day. Yeah, I mean, I agree with pretty much everything you said. He's a, He was born to play the three technique in the NFL. Uh, Wilkins' best trait is his explosiveness, in my opinion. He gets up the field in a hurry. It's hard for guys to get their hands on him at times. I think his worst tra- his worst trait is a lack of length and an anchor to fend off consistent double teams. He is not a guy you want playing the one or the zero technique because while he is powerful, he's not a guy who's going to anchor against two two offensive linemen and hold down gaps. He's a guy who has to get upfield and make plays. Um, I don't think there are any real red flags or concerns about Wilkins. Like you mentioned, he's a guy who mentors young kids. He was an academic All-American. He has, you know, he's been pretty vocal about his desire to, you know, help kids and and help make the world better when he's not on the football field. So there are no red flags really with him. It's just a matter of, you know, can he develop pass rush counters to be an effective pass rusher at the NFL level and better shed blockers on a consistent basis? Uh, we already mentioned it. The best fit for the Chargers is as a three technique. Uh, my grade for him, we're pretty close. I have an 89 on him. So 
early second, late first. I have a feeling when I wind up doing the grades, he's probably going to wind up being somewhere in the top 15 or 20-ish, somewhere in there. Uh, my round level comfort, even though I have an 89 on him, I'd have no problem taking him in the first round. Um, anywhere, kind of like Oliver, anywhere in the mid to late first round, I'd be fine with. I think he's probably the second defensive tackle off the board, just my guess, just based on pedigree and reputation and all that kind of stuff. I think he's going to get kind of bumped up uh, in the system because, you, like we talked about with Wilkins, you know what he is. There's no guesswork with him, no guesswork like there was with Simmons. It's just this guy's a three-technique slot, and he's going to be productive right away. Um, and I think Wilkins can play both positions in Gus's system, better suited to playing the three, but he can certainly play the one and hold that down as needed uh, because he's not being asked to take on quite as many double teams as he would be if he was in a two-gap system. And I think the the craziest thing with Wilkins watching his film you mentioned he played a lot of base end in college. They had him playing a lot of Leo. He was standing up at times his freshman year at, you know, 295 pounds, and he was getting to the quarterback. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, but he's a he's a fantastic athlete, a good guy, and he's a guy who would make a lot of sense for the Chargers if he's there. I'm just not sure he's going to get past the top half of the first round, but we'll see. Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and finish up this defensive tackle group, and let's talk about that second Clemson defensive tackle like we had mentioned a little bit earlier. Let's talk about Dexter Lawrence. So Dexter Lawrence, I mean, he's a tried-and-true zero technique, which means he's a two-gap, run-stuffing, two-down defensive lineman at the next level. Uh, His best trait is his power. Uh, Worst trait is a lack of athleticism, and he can also struggle with, instincts and locating the ball at times too uh he is strictly a space eater very limited production in the last two years at clemson he takes up space he creates opportunities for the guys around him and behind him to make plays he is not a playmaker in his own right uh i had best fit for him as a what the chargers would be as a one technique if they were to draft him although i think he like i said he's better suited to being a two down two gap run stuffer as a zero technique in, a, in an odd front, as opposed to the Chargers' even front. I have an 80 on Dexter Lawrence, which is a late second-round pick. Um, my round comfort with him, I don't think I'd take him before the third round just because there's limited value with him. Uh, I think the Chargers will look at him and strictly see a two-down run stuffer, uh, just somebody who's going to take up space, and that's not usually what they look for. And I, I know people look at them taking Derwin in the first round last year and say, well, maybe they're getting smarter and they're going to approach things differently. I think there are certain things with the way they draft that are unlikely to change. I think Derwin fell to them in the first round last year, and it was basically one of those things that they just had to do it. They couldn't rationalize not doing it. I do not see the same thing with Dexter Lawrence. I don't think they changed the way they value the position or view the position more importantly. While I do think a defensive tackle in the first round is likely, if the right guy falls, I do not think Lawrence is that guy. So even if he's there, I doubt they take him at 28 and I would not take him before the third round, even though I have a late second on him. And to your point about Derwin, yeah, they, they definitely had to take him. And we were hearing from Kyle Posey that even up until that pick, if the Bills didn't jump in front of the Chargers, they were taking Tremaine Edmonds with Derwin still on the board. And there was even talks of even when Tremaine Edmonds went that Taven Bryan 
was very close. It was 1A, 1B with Derwin and Taven Bryan. Luckily, they made the right choice, but uh, it was just one of those things where they, you know, they, they kind of had to. And so we're actually uh, the same on Dexter Lawrence. I didn't think you were going to be this down on him, but you are. Uh, I think, you know, he's going to be a zero tech in the NFL, could play one in a team's front. Uh, his best trait to me is a stack and shed. He's His best ability is to hold a point of attack in the run game, stack and shed, occupy blockers like you talk about, eat space, and then rip free to bring down ball carriers. Uh, his worst trait to me is his pass rush moves. He does some work in the backfield, but mostly by drive and leverage. He doesn't offer much in terms of a pass rush, and uh, it's a little concerning. Uh, in terms of red flags, Lawrence was suspended for a failed PED test in his career, so uh, he's got that hanging over his head. Uh, in terms of a Chargers fit, he'd be a two-down run stuffer, uh, could be the eventual replacement for Brandon Meebane. He can play that 4-3 shade in the Chargers system. I've got an 80 on him, which is the exact <laughs> same grade you did, which is a low second, high third. Now, in terms of what round I'm comfortable taking Dexter Lawrence, he is a very good run defender. What he does, he does well. But I'm not particularly comfortable taking a good run defender at the end of one. Uh, the reason I like Vita Vea last year was because he was elite run defender. I mean, he had some pass rushing chops, but he was elite at what he does. Dexter Lawrence is pretty good at what he does, but it's not a guy that I'm willing to take as just a run defender as my first pick in the 2019 draft. So um, I'm not comfortable taking him at 28. He's been mocked to the Chargers a lot. I like the guy and his skills, but I think there's guys you can get later that can just be space eaters, that can be just run defenders, and then also some guys that can rush the passer, and we'll talk about it. Like I mentioned with Christian Wilkins, this is the opposite case with Dexter Lawrence because Tom Telesco does not value just strictly run defenders like Lawrence offers in his skill set. Now, what Telesco likes is guys that have a pass rushing upside. That's the reason they were so high on Justin Jones last year in the third round was because not only does he have the versatility to play anywhere from the zero to three tech in the interior, but Jones offered some quote-unquote pass rushing upside, which I haven't seen, and that still remains to be seen, whether he can or can't, but Dexter Lawrence doesn't have that. So Telesco doesn't value it that high, and neither do I. I have a low second on Dexter Lawrence. I think it's boring. I'm not sure I'm even comfortable taking him at the end of two because when you start to look at uh, the third round and on, I think there are some guys that are very good run defenders and then also add some pass rushing ability, and we will talk about it. So uh, Dexter Lawrence isn't a guy I'm completely staying away from, but probably a guy that if he falls to the bottom of three, I'm thinking about it. At that point, at the bottom of two, I still think there's some other guys you can get later that I'd much rather have over Dexter Lawrence. And I know that's a little harsh, but uh, definitely a guy I would stay away from at 28. Definitely. And yeah, I agree with you. I wouldn't take him in the second round either. I'd, any any Before the third round is just too early for a guy who does strictly what he does. Yeah. All right. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and talk about sleepers. So uh, tell me who your sleeper is of this defensive tackle class. So... I have a bunch of guys that I like at the end of the second or early third round, but there's one guy in particular that really caught my eye and I had, I've not heard anybody talk about him. I had not heard about him before. I was just kind of, you know, searching through film and my sleeper is Armand Watts from Arkansas. Did you have a chance to watch him? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so Watts, in my opinion, can play either the one or the three technique, particularly in the charger system. Uh, his best trait is he has very heavy, fast, precise hands. Uh, worst trait 
is his get off is inconsistent and his pad level can be inconsistent. Um, he's a little low on the instincts because he didn't play much in college. So he can be a little slow to get off the ball, but when he does anticipate the snap or get off quickly, he generally gets a field and makes a play. Uh, I think the concern with him is the college tape is limited. Uh, he was a one year starter. And like I said, he can struggle with pad level and finding the ball. And he's a bit of a project. Uh, for, for a Chargers fit, I think he can play the one or the three, but he's be- probably better playing the three technique. Uh, I have a 79 on Armand Watts. I liked him quite a bit. My round comfort, um, I ha- I, I'm comfortable taking him in the third round. I'd love him in the fourth or fifth round. I think uh, he just needs to be more consistent getting out of the blocks and needs to be better at locating and reacting to the ball. But he's a guy with a ton of upside who I think – particularly working on the Chargers scheme and with their defensive line coach, uh, Griff Smith. I think he could be a nice little find late in the draft, kind of like what they had with uh, Darius Phylon a couple years ago. Yeah, I was able to watch Armand Watts. Um, I, I wanted to pick somebody else because I knew he was going to be your guy. Uh, I ended up going with Tristan Hill out of Central Florida, another kind of um, deeper sleeper. I know guys are probably wondering why we haven't talked about Jerry Tillery or Draymond Jones. Those aren't sleepers. Uh, everybody knows about those guys. Uh, in terms of Hill's uh, fit in position, he's a rotational piece. He can play any interior spot from zero to three. His best trait to me is his athleticism. He has a very quick get-off, good agility, fast enough to play one or two gap. Look at the numbers. He he posted a composite spark score in the 80th percentile of defensive linemen, so a pretty good athlete. Uh, Worst trait is his anchor. When offensive linemen get their hands on him, they had the ability to drive him off his spot. Uh, If he didn't land hands first, had some issues holding up against double teams as well. Uh, in terms of red flags, he didn't play a ton of snaps in his senior year because he made his way into his coach's doghouse. He didn't get uh, a lot of playing time in the Fiesta Bowl this year, and he was very vocal about it after the game. Uh, you never really know about that with those coaching issues, but uh, definitely worth a conversation when you talk with Tristan Hill. I like Hill more as a three-tech with one-tech flexibility in the Chargers system. I gave him a 72. That's a low third-round grade. Tristan Hill is a guy I'm comfortable taking in the third probably fourth with a lot of these defensive tackles still left on the board. He'll probably slip into day three. I'm taking him without question. A very good run defender, has some pass rushing upside uh, because of the athleticism. So I have a 72 on Tristan Hill. So let's go ahead and do top five. Well, how many do you have here? Do you have 10? Can we do a top 10? Top nine because I have two sleepers. Okay, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Start with nine. All right. Number nine is Arizona State defensive tackle Ronell Wren with a 76. He would have been my second sleeper if I was going to give a, a second sleeper. Uh, number eight is Armand Watts uh, with a 79. Uh, number seven is Dexter Lawrence with an 80. Number six, Jerry Tillery with an 82. Number five is Draymond Jones from Ohio State with an 83. Jeffrey Simmons is number four with an 85. Christian Wilkins is number three with an 89. Ed Oliver is number two with a number 90. And my number one defensive tackle in this class is Quinnen Williams with a 93. All right, so I've got 12. I'm just going to list them off quick because uh, I've got them here. Why not? Uh, 12 was Armand Watts. I gave him a 70. 
11 was Tristan Hill with a 72. I had Kalen Saunders with a 73 at number 10. Rennell Wren is my number 9 as well with a 75. Dexter Lawrence is number 8 with an 80. I watched Charles Omenahu with an 81. He's my number 7. I liked him. Uh, Draymond Jones is number 6 with an 82. Jerry Tillery made my top 5. He had an 84. Jeffrey Simmons with an 85 at number 4. Christian Wilkins with a 90 at 3. Ed Oliver is number two with a 92, and number one is Quinn and Williams with a 95. So let's talk about the Chargers draft outlook and some of these guys you target and you like throughout this draft. Well, we talked a lot about Oliver potentially being there yep. at 28. He's, I think, the kind of the dream scenario of somebody falling. Um, I'd be thrilled if Christian Wilkins falls. I don't think he will, but I'd be thrilled if he did. Uh, if you're talking about second round, I'd be looking for maybe a Draymond Jones there at the end of the second round. Uh, I do not think the Chargers will mess around with Jeffrey Simmons or Jerry Tillery personally for different reasons. And I don't think they'll take Dexter Lawrence. So I wouldn't consider them in the second round. Uh, I'd be okay with Wren as a one technique in uh, the third round. And obviously I like Armand Watts in the third round as well. Yeah, so I think best case, no doubt, is Ed Oliver. Uh, We talked about that having GMs overthink him a little bit. Maybe he falls. Christian Wilkins, uh, possibility to be there. That's a slam dunk for me at 28 if he's there. I think the worst option uh, is Dexter Lawrence out of these defensive tackles uh, just because, you know, I, I think some even the upside of like a Jeffrey Simmons, if you're just talking about the player and, you know, of course there's a lot more to take into account with him, but if you're talking about talent on the field, Taking Jeffrey Simmons makes more sense than Dexter Lawrence because of what Dexter Lawrence offers. Um, so he'd be the most boring pick and probably the defense tackle I want the Chargers to stay away from. I like the third, fourth round because there's a lot of guys that kind of uh, hit that area. I think uh, Rennell Wren, uh, a guy that we both mentioned, uh, uh, Colin Saunders could be there, Tristan Hill, Armand Watts. Those are kind of the four defensive tackles I'm targeting uh, at the end of day two, beginning of day three. I think there's some uh, upside with all those guys. And uh, some guys, if they're going to be double-dipping a defensive tackle, maybe your second defensive tackle. You know, if you do grab Christian Wilkins, grab a offensive tackle in, say, round two or free safety or whatever, maybe you can grab one of these defensive tackles in the third, fourth round. You can double-dip on defensive tackles, and uh, you'd come off with a pretty big haul. I would like to get some of these guys as maybe the second def- defensive tackles, Wren, Saunders, Hill, Watts. I like those four. Yeah, you know, there was talk about the Chargers talking with possibly taking the, what's his name, Jared Ledbetter, the kid mm-hmm. from uh, from Georgia, who is an edge player and converting him to a three-tech. And if they're that hard up for a three-tech, I'd rather they took a shot on a guy like Armand Watts in the third or fourth round than take an edge yeah. and trying to make him a three-tech. That's just my opinion. But I do, yeah. I, I definitely like to see them come out of this draft with two offensive linemen and two defensive linemen. I think that's very important. Yeah, yeah, and we've talked about it. And we're going to talk about offensive linemen next time. So that does it. Uh, Those are some names we like. Those are the grades we gave them. And uh, we appreciate you guys listening. I am at Garrett on Twitter. Jamie? At Lightning underscore Round. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. 